Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. We're going to be reading Luke 2, uh, 22 through 40. um, And that's on page 1591 of the Bibles on the pews. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought the child to Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you, have da- you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to all the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The father's child and mother marvel at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There is also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, who of the t- tribe of Asher, She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with, with, with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Unprecedented days of danger from the worst bushfire conditions in four decades. A statewide emergency in California. I am the chosen one. A world-class player. I'm so thrilled to have, have our own little bundle of joy. Severe to extreme heatwave conditions are forecast for a large part of the country. Hundreds of thousands of fish killed in the Darling River at Menindee brought the water crisis to the country's attention. A warning today of a dangerous and potentially deadly bushfire season ahead. Declared a state of emergency across New South Wales. Literally we've seen weeks and weeks where we've had poor to hazardous air pollution. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money. How dare you? Okay, Boomer. These are the quiet Australians who have won a great victory tonight. We did it. We pulled it off, didn't we? Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump are reunited. Ashley Barty is now world number one. South Africa! Bitter rivalry escalated into accusations of drug cheating. I'm not going to stop until I prove my innocence. We made a decision that gave us cost certainty. This is one of New Zealand's darkest days. It was one of the only things I could grab at the time. Everyone, you have to support us. I appreciate them from Australian people. For all of Australia to have fought so hard 
to bring back home Hakeem Al-Arabi. Amazing to see all the people here. I am voting for the repeal of Medivac. Turkey is ramping up its assault, ignoring new US sanctions. I'm standing at the Badarash camp. It's being recommissioned now in the expectation that thousands of Syrians will be coming across the border. Death of Islamic State leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. The jury delivered guilty verdicts on all five charges. You were staying at the house of yes. a convicted sex offender. It was a convenient place to stay. Drug money to Hong Kong via Crown Casino's bank accounts. We get a handshake or something between them? Nope. Tonight, Australians have all learned the news of the passing of one Australia's great prime minister. Nevada officials are bracing for an invasion at Area 51. China has made it to the far side of the moon. A celebration 50 years in the making, at the exact same time Neil Armstrong took that leap. It's the first all-female spacewalk. We hope that we can provide an inspiration to everybody, not only women, but to everybody that has a dream, that has a big dream, and that is willing to work hard to make that dream come true. Did you remember all those events that took place in 2019? No, no, neither did I. I can't believe it. Like, so much has happened this year, hey? 2019. And uh, this happens to be the last City Light Church in North Adelaide gathering on a Sunday for the decade. Uh, we um, call it quits for the decade, and then we come back next year uh, for the ca to carry on. Um, if I haven't met you, I'm Simon. I'm the lead pastor here at City Light Church in North Adelaide. It's great to be with you tonight. Um, as we do kind of, I don't know, draw together a little bit of a, you know, pulling together some threads of 2019 and uh, moving a sort of setting foot, moving into 2020. Um, thanks for kind of being flexible and moving into this space. I think it's good. Um, I think you're all appreciating the air conditioning. Um, it's uh, pretty warm next door. You can go and check it out if you like, um, but I recommend that you stay here. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 and just a bunch of verses in Luke chapter 2 tonight as we uh, kind of, we have been working through a couple of weeks in the lead up to Christmas. We, we met together on Christmas Day where we followed the narrative of Jesus' birth and then we, uh, we're going to push in a little bit further into Luke 2 today just to kind of tie together um, our Christmas and New Year kind of time together. Um, let me pray and then uh, we'll, we'll get into God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all the good things you give us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for uh, your word. Uh, Lord, and thank you, Father, tonight that we can gather in this room uh, where it's cooler. Uh, thank you for air conditioning, uh, Lord. And we thank you, Father, uh, ultimately as we pause tonight, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Uh, Lord, thanks for your kindness. Uh, thank you for the way that you've enabled us to week in, week out, meet here uh, around your word in the power of your spirit. Together, grow to be more like Jesus. Uh, together, be a witness to Jesus in this area of your city and this world. Uh, Lord, we just pray tonight as we uh, think about your word, uh, as we think about our hearts, our lives, our minds, our bodies, Father, uh, we pray, Lord, that we would see Jesus tonight. We pray that we would hear Jesus tonight. And we pray, Lord, that we would love Jesus tonight. Uh, so set our eyes on him uh, by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did anyone get any Christmas cards over the last little while? Anyone get anything like these actual things in the mail? Anyone get some of those? Um, I got a few, um, but I reckon, without doing any research, right, I reckon the number of people 
sending and receiving physical Christmas cards is on the decline. Uh, my sample size is one. Uh, my parents um, have, my mum, ever since I've known her, which is quite a long time, uh, she's always sent Christmas cards, like physical ones, where she's written a, a lengthy note in these cards and sent them with, you know, via mail, with a stamp on them, uh, to people's physical letterboxes. I went to her house yesterday to pick up my kids after we'd had a, a, couple, a night away, and uh, I noticed on her table there was only a handful of these Christmas cards. I think the sending and receiving of Christmas cards is actually kind of in decline. N equals one. You can argue that with me later, perhaps. But I don't know. You know, with some Christmas cards, people put in those letters. You know those letters? Those sort of annual summary of their life kind of letters? Um, I have like a love-hate relationship with those letters, to be honest. Um, let me say, if you did send me one of those, thanks very much. I really appreciated uh, reading about your life. But sometimes they do, right? They read like a catalogue of all the achievements of the family, and especially the children. Um, and, you know, of course, by comparison, I read them and I feel like a miserable failure as a father. Um, let me just share you a couple of highlights from a letter or two that, I got, that we got sent this year. Here it is. Quote, Sophie no longer colours... She designs. The girl in question is three. She's three years old and still learning how to use the toilet. Like, it's incredible. Another, here's this right, quote, along with her studies at school, weekly art classes, weekly piano and violin lessons, Fiona continues to find time for her charity work. This year, she made blankets for the local pet shelter. Fiona is six. She's six. <laughs> I must say, right, compared to the, the boastful letters that we can receive, it was very encouraging the other day to receive an email, one at least, um, just before Christmas, that, that said this, quote, 2019 has been a nightmare, one disaster after another. We simply cannot wait to be able to switch off from everything and enjoy Christmas and New Year. I wonder what 2019 has been like for you. I wonder what 2019 has been like for you, I read an article, I don't know, I've, I'm, I forget what I did yesterday, right? So I, I find it really hard to remember what happened in January of 2019. There was an article in the Eternity magazine the other day uh, which reminded us that January, Marie Kondo was the, the it person of the month. Um, and everyone was saying, that doesn't spark joy for me. That person doesn't spark joy for me. Um, I don't know, there was uh, the storm over that Gillette ad, right, where toxic masculinity was the big issue and what the heck is that anyway? Um, April, we saw it in the video, Notre Dame uh, burnt to the ground. Um, I feel like most of this year has been punctuated by images and comments from Israel Folau um, to, to greater and lesser extent. And of recent times, right, the impact of bushfires, climate change, etc., on our country. I wonder what 2019 has been for you. I'd love you to turn to the person just for the next minute or so and just quickly, you know, you don't have to share everything. You don't have to share anything, actually, but just turn to the person next to you and say, what's 2019 been like for you? Have a quick chat to the person around you. Um, you, know, you don't have to share things if you don't want to, but go, have a crack. About a minute. Go for it. All right, guys. Plenty, plenty to talk about. I wonder what the year 2019... Uh, was for you. I reckon some of us, when we reflect on 2019, would say that 2019 was a great year. Uh, perhaps, you know, you got to celebrate a birth of a child in the family, you know, maybe your own. 
you got to you know, a wedding. I know people got married in our church, which was really exciting. You could celebrate that and look back on 2019 with great joy and delight. Um, maybe you got a promotion. Uh, maybe you uh, got into that course at university that you've been longing to get into for years and you've had a really good year at university. Maybe 2019 for you was a great year. Uh, maybe for you, when you think about 2019, you go, I've actually had a terrible year. It was actually a really hard year. Uh, maybe it was bereavement. Maybe personal ill health. Maybe the ill health of others that you love. Uh, maybe it was redundancy. Maybe it was ongoing unemployment. Maybe for you, 2019's been a really hard year. Maybe if you're like me, like, you know, I, I follow the events around the world and I see events like we just watched, that sort of collage of stuff, and it just seemed like lots went on this year uh, where lives were turned upside down, uh, whole communities were transformed uh, for all perhaps the wrong reasons. However, I think for most of us, right, we land somewhere in the middle. Maybe not a wonderful year, maybe not a terrible year, but sort of a, I don't know, just above average year or something like that. Um, you can look back and you can thank God for some really good things that took place in your life. You can give him much thanks for the much that he gave you um, that you realise perhaps you didn't really deserve. But I'm quite sure that we've also had some share of our own anxieties and concerns along the way, be those physical issues, emotional issues, relational issues, work stuff. And I think it is a bit of a joy and a bit of a privilege for many of us over Christmas and New Year to kind of switch off from it all a little bit, to kind of, I don't know, escape from the world for a little while, just for a moment or two. I don't know what your sort of escape choice might be. Maybe it is going to a galaxy far, far away um, to watch Star Wars and all the marathon to get to the new one. I don't know. Maybe it's endless reruns of your favourite show on Netflix and you end up down that rabbit hole. Maybe you have been checking out my top five beaches of all time um, and you just keep drifting to one of those day after day. Or maybe, maybe for you, right, I don't know, coming to church is a bit of an escape. I wonder if coming to church is about escape for you. For a moment each week, for a moment today perhaps, you get to leave behind the, the worries and the anxieties of life, have some coffee, have some chats, do some hangs, sing some songs, hear a Bible talk. You just get to kind of park reality for a moment or two. Well, tonight I want to disappoint you a little bit. Um, I want to kind of wake you up a little bit. I want to be like that guy who's sitting behind you at the cinema, maybe while you're watching the new Star Wars movie, and, you know, you're lost in the plot, you're absorbed in the narrative, you forget where you are, you do actually think you're in a galaxy far, far away. I'm that person who opens the packet of lollies, you know, and starts fumbling around with the wrappers and making all the noise, and bam, all of a sudden you realise you're, you're in the cinema. You're not in Narnia, you're not in the galaxy far, far away. I want to wake us up a little bit at the end of 2019 as we step into 2020 and, and give us a bit of courage, give us a bit of confidence as we move from 2019 into 2020. Confidence that comes from Christmas, the message that we've just been celebrating. Because, you know, Jesus Christ, right, did not come into the world to help us escape the world. He really was born. It really happened. He came to deal with reality, our reality came to deal with the deep issues of life. So I want us to have open in front of us Luke chapter 2, uh, the passage that uh, Ruth read out to us just before. This is Luke's detailed, I reckon, confidence, certainty-giving account of the life of Jesus and his teaching. And we're going to drill particularly into verses 25 and 35. Um, it's a lovely description of an elderly man uh, named Simeon. Um, 
Simeon was in the temple at Jerusalem. God's told him, you won't die until you lay your eyes physically on the saviour of the world. Eight days later, it's not quite eight days since we've celebrated the birth of Jesus, but eight days later, Simeon's in the temple. Uh, eight days later, Jesus, from after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, right, they come into the temple and Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, realises straight away that Jesus, he is the one. That Jesus is the saviour of the world. And he, it's a beautiful image, right? He's, he's, he's like he's holding the baby Jesus in his arms. And he cries out these words. They're on the screen. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. You know, Simeon cries out, holding the baby Jesus in his arms. He cries out, knowing that this baby, this Jesus, has come to deal with the reality of our lives, the deepest issues of our lives. You know, some people right, would say that religion is simply like escapism. Um, you, know, you, you, you have a religion, it's a way to sort of escape the reality of the world. But there's nothing escapist about Christianity. Jesus confronts our deepest issues. Many of us want to run from our deepest issues, but Jesus doesn't. He loves us too much. So he comes for us. Might be uncomfortable, but wonderfully, Jesus is the solution to all our problems. He's the answer to all our real issues. And tonight, as we reflect particularly on those words of Simeon, I just want to draw out three kind of real issues, three big things that Jesus comes to deal with for us by his grace. Three things off the back of what Simeon sings here in the temple. And the first real issue that I think Simeon kind of captures for us, the real big issue that he confronts, the real big issue that Jesus comes to fix is the issue of meaning. Meaning, purpose. What am I here for? There's perhaps no deeper issue than that, right? Why am I here? Get the end of what Simeon says. Have a look at verse 32. He says, Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's the nations. That's all the people who aren't in Israel. And the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon just cries out, he's a light. Jesus is a light. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of our dark world, where we can't quite make sense of it all, comes this light of revelation. In one form or another, from time to time, we all ask that question, right? Why am I here? Have you ever asked that question? Maybe in the quietness of your own heart, when you're not around other people, why, why am I here? I'm told there's a, a road in the UK, one of, like the, one of the big M's, right, uh, near Oxford, and as you drive down, someone had graffitied on the wall. You know, I don't know, we don't have traffic problems in Adelaide, really, do we? Um, we have like a five-minute window of high traffic, and then it's, you can get everywhere in 20 minutes after that. But in the UK, you know, we see traffic jams and things like that. On this, there's a, a motorway, apparently, in the UK, where there's someone graffitied on the wall, which basically said, why are you doing this again, you know, as you drive down that road? Why are you doing this over and over again? Why am I here? What's the point of it all? What's the, what's the meaning of life? Now, if you're an atheist, right, or perhaps you're, you're drawn in the direction of that worldview and you believe that, well, all that there is and yourself included come, has only come into existence purely by accident, then you're kind of bound to say there really is no meaning to my life. There is no meaning to this world. 
Uh, Richard Dawkins, uh, God's favourite atheist uh, and prominent, well-known atheist, he's very honest at this point. Uh, He said this once, In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at the bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. That's, that's, pr- that's a pretty uncomfortable thought, right? We don't like to think that there is no meaning to life. So we, easily, so we can easily escape, right, the question, asking the question of meaning, run around doing all sorts of different things without ever facing that fundamental issue. What am I here for? But Christianity doesn't avoid it. We're faced head on with that question. What is the meaning of my life? I think the very asking of that question tells us that there is meaning. But the trouble is, in our darkness, because of our sin, we are unable to find it. I thought we could do um, a thought experiment just for a moment or two. I like thought experiments. Um, You don't have to close your eyes for this one, but you can imagine with me, right? Imagine, just for a moment, we were all born inside this room, right? All together, that would be pretty freaky. But imagine if that was the case. Like, we're all in this room, and there are, you know, we can't see out, we can't really see out the windows, but we can't see out anywhere. Um, and one day, we're all asked the question, is there anything outside this room? Is there anything outside this room? One by one, people come up and share their views. Ruth comes up and shares her view. Sam shares his view. Josh, etc. One of us comes up. Definitely. There's a whole world out there, someone says. It's full of green giants. I'm convinced of that. Someone pushes that person aside. No, 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 no. It's not green giants. It's purple pygmies. That's what's out there. Purple pygmies. That's what we're going. Someone else. There's nothing out there. We've never seen it, but there's nothing. Finally, someone comes up and says, look, no one has ever been out there. We simply don't know. We're in the darkness. By all means, we can have our beliefs, but you cannot be sure. And while he's speaking, through the door comes a man. He says, what are you talking about? We're discussing if there's anything out there. Yes, there is. I've come from the outside. There's a whole world out there. There's people, there's cars, there's buses, there's bikes, there's trees, there's lakes. And we don't say to him, right, that person who's come from the outside and told us what there is out there, we don't say to them, well, that's just your beliefs, because he speaks with authority. He's come from the outside. And the Christian claim, right, is that while we humans grope around in the world of darkness, sensing more, that sensing there is more to life, Jesus is the man who has come in from the outside. I love this. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. It's probably my favourite quote almost of all time. But John Stott says this in his book, Basic Christianity. Many people visualise a God who sits comfortably on a distant throne, remote, aloof, uninterested and indifferent to the needs of mortals, until it may be they can badger him into taking action on their behalf. Such a view is wholly false. The Bible reveals a God who long before it even occurs to man, to women, to turn to him, while people are still lost in darkness and sunk in sin, he takes the initiative, rises from his throne, lays aside his glory and stoops to seek until he finds him.
That's the, the God whom we celebrate at Christmas, the God who's come from riches to rags in order to reveal the light, in order to reveal that we matter and that he brings us real meaning to our real lives. If it's true, then there is real meaning of life to be found in the person of Jesus. Real meaning, real purpose that can't be taken away. Thinks Fletcher's excited about that. Anyway, um, the second big issue, right? The second big issue. So Simeon cries out, you know, a light to the revelation, meaning in the darkness, light in the darkness. The second big issue, and an issue that I think we're tempted to run from, but that Christianity confronts head on, is the issue of guilt. Issue of guilt. Um, Simeon says, verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. My eyes have seen your salvation. I don't know what your eyesight is like. Um, I know that mine is no longer what it was like when I was 21. Um, My wife Adele testifies to the fact that she has perfect vision still uh, to this day. I don't know what your eyesight is like. Um, There's a story of an elderly woman. Uh, One night, she's getting ready to go to sleep. One evening, she's in her bedroom. Um, She's looking at herself in the mirror, and and she was a little bit flat, a little bit depressed. Look at me, she exclaimed. My hair's falling out. My teeth are awful. I've bags under my eyes, and, and like everything is kind of sagging. And her husband was in the room, but he lay silent on the bed. And while she couldn't stand it, after, after a while, right, she couldn't stand it, and she said, well, well, just say something encouraging to me, husband. And he said, well, at least your eyesight is still good. <laughs> how, is, how is your eyesight? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Maybe you feel a bit depressed. Maybe you feel a bit flat. Spots and wrinkles and, and grey hairs. I don't know, maybe you look in the mirror and you're actually kind of rather pleased with what you see. Um, that's not me, by the way. But when you look beyond, right, the, the superficial appearance, what, what's really going on inside? I think the end of the year is a good time for a bit of self-reflection. Um, at the beginning of the year, I sort of set up my year by trying to think through a few categories of my life to sort of set some goals to kind of not... I'm not into resolutions. I call them goals because it just sounds a bit more achievable, I reckon. But um, a few goals. One was a goal for my spiritual life. Uh, One area was a goal for my family life. One area was to to focus on my vocational life, my work. Uh, The other was physical. Um, I was keen to drill into those four areas. And I wrote some goals down and then I did a bit of a half-year analysis and I think I was tracking okay around halfway through the year. Um, I paused a little while ago, a couple of days ago, and and reflected on those four things. And I don't know, the end of the year for me has been a a bit of a challenging time of self-reflection, to be honest, where I feel like I kind of started the year okay and then I've drifted pretty poorly, I think, in those areas. I think it's important that we ask that question at this time of year, like, what have I been like in 2019? Because we're human beings, right? We're a bit of an odd mix, aren't we? On the one hand, we're, we're capable of extraordinary goodness, amazing kindness, generosity and love. And on the other hand, we have to admit that there's like an ugliness within. We're capable of terrible selfishness and lust and greed and, and can end up harming people we love the most. I mean, we seem incapable of controlling what is broken within us. 
and how we'd love to run away from it. But the Bible is a mirror for us, right? Showing us what we're really like. Yep, we have the capacity for love, for goodness and for kindness. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. God who is all those things. He is love. He is kindness. We, we image some of those things. And yet we're also deeply flawed. You're looking at a deeply flawed preacher. There is a reality to our guilt. Atheists call it Christian neuroses. The scripture just says that it's real. We've all turned away from God. We're all guilty. Now, you might be thinking, right, here we go. You know, Christian guilt trip thing again. Christianity is all about making people feel guilty. Um, one US commentator said this, all re- quote, all religions are the same. Religions are basically all about guilt with different holidays. That's what one commentator said. So Muslims, they've got guilt, but they've got Eid. Jews, they've got guilt, but they've got Hanukkah. Christians, we've got guilt, but we've got Christmas. Um, but the message is the same. It's all designed to make us feel guilty. And yet Simeon, right? As Simeon held that baby Jesus in his arms, he wasn't saying, woe is me. I'm so miserable. I'm so wretched. I'm so guilty. No, in verse 30, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. I used to think, I became a Christian when I was 21. I used to think that Christianity was all about telling me what to do. Um, that's, that's what most religions are. I call them two-letter religions. Uh, the two letters are D-O, do. You know, here is what you have to do. So whenever religious people get the opportunity, they remind us of all the things we need to do, all the standards we're meant to attain. Now off you go and do it. And of course that'll make you feel guilty, right? Because we can never attain the standard. I can never do it. And then I met a guy named Ralph and he led me to read the Bible and I discovered that Christianity isn't a two-letter religion. It's a four-letter religion, if you can even call it a religion. The four letters, D-O-N-E, done. That's what Christianity is, done. It's all about what God has done for us. So let me ask you again, how is your eyesight? Can you begin to see your guilt? That before a holy God, whom we just sung about before, we stand guilty. We've fallen short of his standards. We've fallen short of his righteousness. So we'll never be able to grasp the wonder of the gospel, the wonder of the Christian message, until we can begin to see that we stand guilty before a holy God. But I don't want you to stop there. Once again, uh, as we begin to see our guilt, have you begun to see your saviour? Could you be like Simeon, right, and, and, and hold Jesus in your arms, if you could possibly do that, and say, behold my saviour, my salvation. My eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. When you see what God has done for you, then you'll begin to see that Christianity is like truly the best news around best news around. We don't have to run away from our sin. We don't have to run away from our guilt. The answer is Jesus. With the coming of Jesus, we get meaning. He's a light of revelation to the nations, to you and to me. We we get purpose. We we come, we, we see Jesus brings a solution to the problem of our sin and our guilt. And thirdly, 
Third real issue that the Bible confronts and that Christmas crashes into is the issue of death. The issue of death. I reckon, I reckon one of the ironies of this time of the year, you know, whether it be Christmas or, or New Year, the irony is that we do all these things to kind of escape the misery and the mess of our own lives, and yet I think there's probably no more a time in our lives when perhaps we're, re- we're conscious of the reality of death. We're more conscious of it perhaps at this time of the year than any other time because we real, realise that certain loved ones are no longer there with us. There's an empty seat at the table. We cannot escape the reality of death. We try to escape it, but that's not Christianity. We might seek to hide death behind cemetery walls. We might try to hide it behind nice-sounding euphemisms, The person's no longer here. I think to say that someone is dead is really final. But Simeon is full of joy. He's full of joy. Because the Jesus whom he cradles is the answer to our problem of death. Do you see what he says? Have a look in verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Simeon basically says, I'm, I'm ready to die now. Now, of course, there's a unique sense in which this was true for Simeon. Um, he'd been told that by the Holy Spirit that he would live, he would survive until he saw with his own eyes the saviour of the world born into the world. So there's a unique sense here for Simeon. But there's a sense in which every Christian person can say what Simeon said that when a person puts their trust in Jesus, they can say, I am ready to die now. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. We needn't fear death because Jesus took away the sting of death when he took upon himself the penalty for our sin and, and for our guilt. And then he rose again on the third day, defeating death once and for all. Those who put their trust in Jesus have no fear on judgment day. They will be with him forever in a perfect eternity. A friend of mine, um, she's married to a minister who works here in the city, preacher of the gospel. Um, she um, did one of those, uh, you know, sort of personality tests. And uh, she, um, you know, hundreds of questions asking her about all different facets of her life. And, and one of the questions basically was, um, do you think you would be better off if you were, if you were no longer alive? You know, do you think you'd be better off if, the world, if you were no longer alive? And she ticked to that, yes. And when she got the data back, the data basically said, you know, generally going okay, although seems depressed at times. And this person's going, I'm not depressed. Like, I'm really happy. You know, like, you know, not, you know, not jumping off the walls of the time, but generally has a pretty happy disposition. She called them up and said, look, I've just read the report and I'm just a bit concerned, like... How come this says I'm really depressed? And we said, well, you answered this one that said sometimes you'd be happier if you were no longer alive. And then she was like, oh, that's because I'm a Christian. Because she was remembering the words of Paul in Philippians. You know, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. 
She was transformed by the gospel, captured by the reality that because Jesus died and rose again, she, through faith in him, she too may die but rise again. She wasn't afraid to die. Christians aren't afraid of death. Sure, I I I think it'd be wrong to say the process of it would be, I'm not afraid of that, but I think ultimately we ought not to be afraid. Knowing this doesn't just transform every day we have left of 2019 and every day that we have in 2020. It should transform every day until we see Jesus and enjoy him forever. One of the great books that I read this year was by a guy called Matthew McCulloch. It's a book called Remember Death. doesn't sound very exciting, but I think it was one of the best books I've read this year. And he writes here, If death is not a problem, Jesus won't be much of a solution. The more deeply we feel death's sting the more consciously we will feel the gospel's healing power. The more carefully we number our days, the more joyfully we'll hear that death's days are numbered too. At this time of year, I've been in ministry for about eight years. For this time of year, I, I don't know, for some reason, every year this time of year comes around and I'm, I, I comes to mind in my heart those whom I've had the privilege of pastoring, who've no longer with us. Who've gone to be with Jesus. I think it's really acute for us all here today as well. Uh, I don't know if this is okay to share, Maggie, but Maggie's stepdad, Larry, just died a few days ago after a long battle with cancer. Um, Maggie's, yeah, Maggie's stepdad died. Maggie and Tom are going to head back to the US on Tuesday to catch up with family and to be there. I think this is, this is real for us. At this time of year, I think perhaps more than any other time, we're reminded of those who are no longer with us. One elderly man that I had the privilege of caring for many years ago, um, just before he died, he, he left a small sum of money uh, to uh, the church, a bunch of us to, to use, to, to purchase something um, for us to use in the church to remember him by. And so we used that money and we, we remembered him. But let me read to you just a couple of words off the note that he left. He wrote this. His name was Angus. Quote, Please forgive and forget all my failures and delinquencies. Please accept my loving gratitude for everything I have so richly received. Then he finished. I am safe. I am safe because I am trusting Jesus' precious blood. I am sure because he has promised and he cannot break his word. Such wonderful confidence, yeah? I want to ask you, do you have that confidence? tonight because you can by trusting in Jesus Simeon holding that baby he's holding the solution to not just the three problems we've looked at tonight but he's, he's he's holding the solution to every single problem he's holding the problem the solution to the problem of meaning, it's Jesus. He's holding the solution to the problem of our guilt and our sin, it's Jesus. He's holding 
the solution to the problem of death, that thing that sucks away all the joy from our lives, he's Jesus. And so tonight, as we wrap up 2019, as we step towards 2020, I think it's wonderful for us just to pause and reflect on just the wonder of the Christmas message and how the Christmas message and the one at the centre of that message, Jesus, gives us the courage and provides us with the confidence to, to set foot into the new year. Knowing that, I mean, I reflect on my year and I'm really thankful that it's, my relationship with Jesus is not based on my performance. If it was based on my performance, I would be, like, I'd be stuffed. But it's not. It's based on Jesus' performance. And so if you're here tonight and you trust in Jesus, you can wrap up 2019, you can step into 2020 with, with courage and with confidence because of what God has done for us in Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray and give thanks to God. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, may your spirit uh, place in our hearts tonight the, the joyful assurance that you gave to Simeon. Father, we pray that we might know deeply, uh, deeply in the midst of a troubled world, that just as Simeon's waiting for a saviour was not in vain, so our waiting for Jesus' return is not in vain. Lord, help us by your spirit to fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who is gloriously seated at your right hand, from where Jesus will return in glory to judge the world and to save all those who are waiting for him in hope. Lord, we, we pause tonight. And Lord, and we, again, those, the words of Paul come to my mind that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. Tonight, Lord, we, we rejoice with Tom and Maggie as they get to celebrate this very day, one year of life for little Jack. Lord, and we thank you for the gift of Jack. And Father, we pray that he would grow up to be a man who knows how loved he is by you, that he knows every day that um, you've saved him through Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Tom and Maggie for the way they've loved him and cared for him, survived this year and thrived in many ways. But Lord, we also do pause uh, and mourn with Maggie and her family with the death of Larry. Father, we are reminded that death was never meant to be part of your good creation. And that's why it hurts so deeply. Father, we pray that as Maggie and her mom and, and the family grieve, that they would not grieve without hope. That, Father, they would know, perhaps in a fresh way, the reality of the resurrection of Christ. But, Father, I do pray that you'd help them to grieve well. And we pray, Father, as a family of your people here, that we'd support them well. So, Lord, as we wrap up this year, as we step into 2020, Lord, do help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done in and through us this year. We do pray that you would do more and more to make us more like Jesus in the year to come. 
And Lord, thank you that we can step into 2020 with courage and confidence in Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.